my name is Steve Armstrong, and along with Kamala Masters and Annie Nugent, we'll be sharing some time with you for the next 10 days. Maybe we should sit for a bit. So, if you could um, find a comfortable sitting posture, whether you're in a chair or on a cushion or a bench, find a way to sit comfortably where your body feels grounded, still, stable, but not tense. You don't have to hold yourself tense. And as much as possible, just let yourself settle down onto your sitting cushion, on your sitting bones. And if you feel comfortable, just gently or softly close your eyes or just gaze at the floor in an unfocused way in front of you. Let your hands come to rest either in your lap or on your knees, wherever it suits you. Just feel the body sitting, coming to a natural stillness. Letting go of the activity of the day of getting here and all of the words and energy of settling in, getting oriented to the center and the retreat. And just come into yourself, letting the words go, just feel the body, which may be quite amped up, vibrating, maybe feels tired, heavy, or whatever it is, just allow yourself to open your attention and receive the experience of the body sitting still. feeling the body, feeling the contact with your sitting bench or cushion or chair. I take a moment moment just to acknowledge the ambient sound of the room, the ambient temperature, humidity. Coming into the body, feeling the body, sitting. Know that you're sitting. Know that this is the experience of sitting still. This is what it feels like. Even though the body is predominantly still, it can be a very dynamic experience. Noticing this, then that. When you feel at ease in the body, when you feel stable in your sitting 
posture. Notice where you feel the breath most clearly. You're breathing. It's quite natural. However it is for you, it may be fast or slow, deep or shallow. But somewhere in the body you can feel it. You can know the experience of the breath. Maybe at the nostrils where the air enters and leaves the body. Maybe in the chest that expands and contracts as you breathe. Or maybe in the belly that rises and falls as you breathe in and out. Take a moment to notice where you feel the breath most distinctly. Spending a few moments with each area of the body. Wherever you feel the breath most distinctly, let your attention rest there. And then as you breathe in and you feel the movement or the sensations of the in-breath, know that you're breathing in. And as you breathe out and you feel those movements or sensations, know that you're breathing out. as much as possible, letting other thoughts, comments, stories, plans recede into the background of your attention and let the breath come into the foreground of your attention. Let the breath come in its own time, in its own rhythm. Notice it. And if you notice that your attention has wandered into thinking, planning, gently bring it back to the breath. 
letting go of your thoughts, your plans, without judgment. Just gently redirect your attention to connect once again with the breath. No matter how many times your attention wanders into thinking, into the past or the future, when you notice that, let go of that thinking and come back to the breath. Carefully feel the in-breath and know that you're breathing in. Feel the out-breath and know that you're breathing out.
keeping your practice very simple, just noticing the breath. Know that you're breathing in, know that you're breathing out. There. Feel a little better. <laughs> um, I was struck as I was sitting in the upper walking room listening to the tail end of the manager's uh, talk that Nina just gave you, and I was struck by how many um, suggestions, rules, regulations, routines, schedules, and all is required for us to be here collectively in a harmonious and meaningful way. And uh, I have a few more. <laughs> but it really, it's really important that we all kind of get on the same page as to what we're doing here, how we're doing it, and why we do things the way we do here, so that we can really fully commit ourselves to being here, doing the practice, and understand that everyone else is, and to really get the benefit of our efforts. Because it does take effort just to get here, it takes effort to stay here, it takes effort to do the practice. And if you're going to make all this effort, we really want to give you the best opportunity to get the best result from your efforts. And so I'm going to spend a little time this evening just kind of formatting the retreat and kind of laying out uh, some of the suggestions for being here and hope that that uh, supports our being here together harmoniously so that we can all get the benefit of our time together. First, let me just acknowledge that uh, Kamala is uh, wearing a hat because she has a shaved head that she got when she was recently in Burma. And being from the tropics, where we live, and living in the tropics, and practicing in the tropics, uh, it's cold here. And so she's keeping her head warm. <laughs> so if that's okay with you, then she'll be wearing her hat for most of the retreat. And uh, she just, Kamala just returned from uh, practicing in Burma for a month, and then just a few days ago, and then we came we flew here. Annie has just come out of a six-week retreat yesterday, so she should be bringing a really good energy to uh, the hall. And Annie has been, uh, many of you know her, she's been 
the teacher here for the staff for uh, four years, and a couple of years ago started uh, training with us and others to also teach, and she will be uh, assisting uh, us on this retreat as uh, in the teaching role. And we have a lot of confidence in her practice and in her ability to uh, share uh, the Dharma and share her experience with you in a way that can benefit you. Um, that's why we've invited her to uh, be here and to share the Dharma. So we're happy to have you here with us. So thank you, Annie. First, I want to thank you for making the decision to spend this time uh, for the next nine days. I think most of you are here for the full retreat. To spend uh, nine days with yourself. It is not easy to find the time or to find the inspiration or even the, uh, the need to do that. And I think all of us, we have our own reasons for coming to the Dharma or coming to practice, whether it's curiosity or stress or fear or uh, whatever challenge in life we might be facing, but uh, we're all looking for something. And really we're looking for ourselves. We're looking for some greater intimacy and connection with what's really going on in here. Just coming to know our own heart and mind and the practice and the whole and the, the whole format of the retreat is is for that purpose to open the heart and to train the mind and when we do that or as we engage in the practice and the training and the techniques to open our heart and train the mind we inevitably face some some challenges we we come in we come in full contact with ourselves and the conditions of our life and Sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's challenging, and sometimes it's overwhelming, and sometimes it's boring, and sometimes it's, it's exciting, and sometimes it's scary. That's the way it is. And it's okay. In some, in, 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 in one very, in the grand picture of things, whatever you experience is really okay. Because that's the way it is. And in coming to know ourselves, we will eventually, and in time, come to contact all that. There are many, many, many spiritual uh, and psychological and cultural traditions of practice or belief that can assist us in, in, in this opening of the heart and opening of the mind, training of the mind. And they have their own time and place and validity and there are teachers skillful in, in guiding you in all of them. But we are not. We have a very limited uh, uh, range. We just have our own experience, the three of us. And what we're most familiar with and what we'll be teaching and sharing with you during these nine days is teachings from the Buddhist tradition in primarily a lineage from Burma. Uh, we're not practicing Zen, or we're not practicing or teaching Tibetan Buddhism, or uh, Hinduism, or, or anything like that. But we're just doing what we know, what we have practiced, and what we have seen to be of benefit, real benefit, to those who practice. 
And so while you're here for the duration of this retreat, we would ask you to put aside your other practices. Not out of uh, any judgment that they're wrong or they're not effective or they're not so good as or anything like that, but just to put aside whatever other practices you might be doing and to give yourself, devote yourself fully to the instructions and the techniques that we uh, offer. And to, to follow the retreat and to use those instructions so that you can see for yourself. You can really get a full and authentic taste of the teachings of the Buddha and the practice of the Buddha and how that will, uh, and what that might do for you. So if you can do that, that would be really good. Sometimes uh, different practices uh, uh, counteract each other. Some understanding, some practices, they kind of uh, uh, cancel each other out. And so you might be doing this practice on the side and doing a little bit of what we're instructing and getting no benefit whatsoever. It's like eating good food. If you really like fine French cuisine and you really enjoy fine Mexican hearty field workers' food too, you can enjoy one of them at a time. Because if you add a little guacamole and a little, you know, refried beans on top of your whatever it is, French, it's not so good. You know, the tastes are all there, but they're kind of mixed up, and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, and so you don't get the benefit of either the fine French cuisine, and nor do you get the benefit of the uh, enjoying the taste of the, the whole mm, hearty Mexican food. Neither one is right, neither one is wrong. It's not that they're, you know, one is better than the other. It's just individually, this one, Exquisite. Individually, this one, exquisite. And you mix the two together, yuck. Like that. So, we're going to offer you the instructions, the understanding that we know. And if you practice that, the taste is exquisite. So, What we will be teaching is a practice called mindfulness. And mindfulness is really a, an opening of the heart, an awakening of the mind to notice the way things are, to train our attention to be with things the way they are, to be with the body, to be with the mind, to be with our thoughts, our emotions, to be with each other to be with the environment, to be with the staff, to be with the weather, to be with things the way they are, and to see if we can find a way of relating to it that is not stressful. We all know what stress is. We all have stressful conditions in our life. Through the development of attention and the training uh, in mindfulness, we can learn to manage stressful conditions so that they do not cause so much unhappiness, so much suffering, so much uh, distress, if you will. We're not talking about escaping, avoiding, and changing our lives so that we don't have stressful conditions. You are going to meet stressful conditions. That's unavoidable. But how you relate to them, how you respond to them, how you work with them, 
makes all the difference in the world whether you feel stressed out or not. And so that's what we'll be teaching is how to relate to stressful conditions. Some of what you experience here may be stressful. The weather may be stressful. The schedule for you may be stressful. Wake up at five o'clock, that's stressful. You know? Or to just sit for 45 minutes in one position, that certainly can be stressful. Or to not have to listen, not be able to listen to tapes. For some of you, that might be stressful. Uh, to not be able to read, write, and talk. For some of you, that'll be stressful. For some of you, that'll be blissful. But nevertheless, conditions are what they are, and they can cause some frustration, disappointment, challenge, struggle. We can feel mm, disempowered. We can feel, okay, how can we work with those feelings? How can we learn to be smart, really intelligent, with all of this emotion that comes up in our life? And we all have emotion. We have the emotion of loneliness and fear and excitement and joy and anticipation and frustration and ambition and other depression and anxiety. How can we learn to be intelligent, really emotionally intelligent, to open to, to acknowledge, to accept, or I should say to recognize and then to work with in such a way, to have a relationship with our emotions that is not overwhelming, that is not uh, undermining, that is not uh, uh, burdensome, and that is not stressful. This, is, this, is, this would be welcome, to learn how to manage our stressful conditions, to learn how to be emotionally intelligent. Well, this is, these are two of the results of, of mindfulness practice, mindfulness training. To, to, to learn to um, be with our life, to be intimate with and to be at ease with our life. As one of our teachers used to say, Manindri, he says, what could be better than to make your mind your friend? Sometimes the thoughts that go through our mind, the anxiety, the fear, the frustration, the, the overwhelm, is torments us. What could be better than to make our mind our friend? And the way to do that is to just practice mindfulness. There's one further benefit of mindfulness that I want to mention this evening. We'll be talking much more about this in the retreat. It's not just learning to manage stressful conditions or to be intelligent about our emotions. But really, there is this whole world of undiscovered experience within us, within our bodies, within our minds, within our hearts. There is so much potential within each one of us that is, as yet, undiscovered and unrealized. This is your life. This is not a rehearsal for anything else. This is it. To wake up to the full potential of being a human being is hard work. To realize fully what we may become takes dedication, real devotion. And it's possible. 
You know, when you think of the great human beings throughout history, or even in your own life, I think of contemporaries like Aung San Suu Kyi, the Nobel Prize winner in Burma now, who has this fearless courage to stand up to the brutal military dictatorship in Burma. She practices with our teacher, loving-kindness and mindfulness. Or I think of uh, Martin Luther King, who had the, this uh, commitment to tell the truth, to just see the truth and tell it, this is the way it is. Or I think of uh, Mother Teresa, with her extraordinary heart of compassion, who would go out on the streets of Calcutta to find people who were really suffering, people who were going to die that day or the next day, and were just in really miserable conditions, and would attend them. Compassion. We have that capacity. We have that level of compassion within us. <coughs> we have the capacity to see and tell the truth that Martin Luther King has. We have that within us. We have the potential to be as fearless as Aung San Suu Kyi within us. We have that potential. And we have more than that. We have the potential to be fully awake. But to realize that potential, to bring it forth into the world, to bring it forth into our life, to really wake up to it and to make it real so that it's in here and we know it and it's on the ground right here, takes practice. This is the practice that we teach, the practice of awareness. What gets in the way of being brave? What gets in the way of being awake? And to, to work with that, to overcome it, to put it aside temporarily, to challenge it, to, be, to accept the challenge even, that we have the potential to be more than we've realized. And I'm not just talking to a few of you, or some of you who've been practicing for 10 or 15 years. I'm talking to those of you who are even here for the first time. And there are some of you here for the first time. First retreat. You're really lucky. Those who are here for the first retreat, really lucky because you have no prior experience of intensive retreat to compare this experience to. The rest of us, we have to live with the memories of all those other retreats. And everything, all those bad practice habits that we have cultivated over 5, 10, 15, 20 retreats or years. And now we've got all these bad practice habits that are just kind of something else we've got to overcome. But those of you who are here for the first time, no limitation of memory. Lucky. When I talk about realizing the potential within us, opening to the potential within us, I'm really talking about awakening to and opening to and coming to rely on or taking refuge in what I call the Buddha. The Buddha is the one who's awake. And we have that capacity to be awake within us. And so to come here is really to take refuge in the Buddha, to take refuge in our potential. We know what we can do already, but we're taking refuge in what we might yet realize. take refuge in the Dhamma, 
is to take refuge in the truth. We don't have to talk about truth with a capital T way out there that some philosopher 2,500 years ago or five years ago said. We're talking about the truth as we experience it right here, right now. That's the truth. You've been sitting here now for more than an hour, hour and a quarter, sitting or standing. And the truth is, the body hurts, the mind's a little tired, feel a little restless and bored. That's the truth. Take refuge in that truth. That's your experience. That's your truth. The truth for you is nothing but that right now. And so our practice here is to come back to that again and again and again. We can't take refuge in our career here because uh, I don't know what you do for work. And I can't, you can't take refuge in your car or your partner or your family or your kids or your pet or your IRA or not, you can't take refuge in anything except the way it is right now for you right here. So we're talking about the Dharma. We're talking about the truth. We're talking about finding a way to be at ease with the way things are for you right now. Taking refuge in the Dharma. And the third refuge that we take, that we traditionally take on retreats like this, is refuge in the Sangha. The Sangha is, in this case, each other. There is a, uh, a whole staff of uh, busybody bees behind the, the wall over there, uh, out by the kitchen, and out by the office, that is making it possible for us to have nine days of silence. Meals cooked for you, and your laundry done for you, or whatever it is that they do. They do all this stuff for you, so that all you have to do is just pay attention. We take refuge in the staff. Thank you. Uh, we take refuge in the, the board of directors that has run this place for 29 years or so. Thank you. We take refuge in a long line of uh, teachers that have brought this teaching to us from the time of the Buddha and finally got it here. Thank you. We take refuge in each other. Because if it wasn't for all of you being here, well, we wouldn't be here either. So thank you for wanting to be here so that we can be here, so that we can create this kind of intentional community for the next nine, ten days. Uh, an intentional community that, that is kind of on the same page, wanting to wake up, taking refuge. One way that we traditionally start uh, a retreat is to take, just to formally take the refuges and precepts. The refuges are taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, or your potential to awaken the truth and each other. And the precepts are what we call minimal human commitments for being here on retreat. And they're really very simple. They're pretty uh, well known. And they're, they're agreements that we, that we make with each other that help support the container of the retreat. And the first of those is to uh, undertake a training to refrain from killing. Most of us are not killers. We're not going to go harm each other or harm ourselves. But it's really to respect all of life, even the little bugs that might be around uh, in the building, and to respect life so that we can respect even the subtlest manifestation of life within ourselves. To take the training to not take what is not offered, to not steal, to not misuse or misappropriate property. 
very simple to do here. You just uh, simplify. Live simply. Use what you need and let the rest go. Third is to, in this case, is to, in a, in a retreat situation, is to undertake a training to refrain from acting on our sexual energy. Not that there's a judgment of sexual energy or even how you act it out. But it can cause a lot of confusion and it can cause a lot of attention, excitement and whatnot as it's acted out and to give yourself a break for the next nine days. Just say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch my sexual energy and to not hit on each other and to not kind of <laughs> whatever we do and we do, um, just to, to take time to be alone, to be with ourselves. At the end of the retreat, um, you have the rest of your life to pursue whatever you want to pursue. But for ten days, not here. So it's a training, to take a training to refrain from acting out sexual energy. Fourth is to take, undertake a training to tell the truth. We're looking for the truth. The practice is to come to the truth. The, most, the, the immediate uh, truth of our experience and the deeper truths that great beings have realized in order to free themselves from the suffering. And in order to find that truth, we've got to know the truth, speak the truth, and act the truth. So when you have the opportunity to speak, asking questions, reporting your experience to us when we start reporting on uh, Monday, uh, Sunday, yeah, Sunday, uh, then to always just, just speak your experience truthfully. What, what is your experience? If you can speak it truthfully, then uh, you'll, you'll be supporting your energy and efforts to awaken. And the fourth or the fifth uh, community agreement is to, while you're here, to refrain from the use of intoxicants. Uh, we're looking to clear the mind so that we can see more clearly, understand things as they are, and intoxicants cloud the mind. Sometimes some of you may have prescriptions that you need to take that cause uh, some distortion. Well, that's what you have to take. And sometimes we take uh, uh, prescriptions that help mm, clarify um, or kind of bring into balance the chemical soup of our mind and body. That's okay. We take those. No one should uh, decide on their own to stop taking the medication while they're on retreat. Not a good idea. So, oh, if you have a medication, if you have a prescription, please continue to take it uh, during the retreat. This is not the time to uh, try to withdraw from anything. So, if we can have that agreement, those agreements, uh, make the commitment within ourselves to train with these agreements and know that each other have these agreements, then we can create a container of safety, simplicity, and stillness. And safety and simplicity and stillness are great supports for opening the heart. If you feel safe, you can open your heart. If the places, if, if the, the environment and yourself and each other are still, then you can open to the subtlety of what's going on in your, in your heart and in your mind. And if you keep it really simple, even then it'll get complex and complicated. But try to keep it simple. Then your mind will have nothing else to do but just pay attention. And that's enough. We can work all week on that. Simple, 
stillness. So, most of you have probably traveled to get here today and may have worked even today. So, why don't we wrap it up this evening with a formal taking of the refuges and precepts. Uh, as you know, tomorrow the bell will ring at 5 o'clock. There will be a sitting at 5.30. Uh, each day at 5.30, there will, we will recommit ourselves to the refuges and precepts, and we will take the precepts and refuges again. I'll offer them tonight, and over the first few days, I'll offer them to you. I'll say a line, and you can repeat after me. And after three or four days, you'll know it, and we can just do it in unison. Okay? And that's a, a great support to recommit yourself to practice of right speech here at this retreat involves noble silence. And noble silence is really, it's not about not speaking. It's really about quieting the mind. And if we speak as little as possible, that will help quiet the mind. But quieting the mind is also supported by not reading and not writing. And when we say not reading and not writing, we mean not reading either fiction or news or dharma texts. But maybe reading the notices on the bulletin board is okay. That's okay. Not writing means not writing letters or journals or long works of fiction that really just kind of spontaneously arise when you're on retreat. And But you might... You know, when during the Dharma talks, you might want to make a few notes. Or if you have some particular sitting or some experience in your sitting that is kind of curious or want to know something about it, you might make just a short note so you can ask a question about it or you can report it. And that kind of writing would be okay. Writing in the hall during the Dharma talks, we will give you permission to do that. But only then. Writing instructions or during guidance for the instruction, the, the morning sitting when we give instruction, please do not write during that sitting. There will be an opportunity for question and answers at the end of the first sitting after breakfast. And of course, if you want to take notes about the questions and answers, that's okay. Kamala will be leading a, a loving-kindness meditation in the afternoon. Again, please do not take notes or write during that time. There will be questions at some days at the end of that. And of course, you can take notes then. So is that pretty clear? Really, you know, all these rules and regulations, routine, the schedule, uh, it's like, give me a break. But it's a lot to take in, you know, in the first couple hours of being here, but it will really support your practice. You know, this is the, the, the format of the retreat, the schedule, the silence, the interviews, the Dharma talks, the instructions. This is a format that has been worked out uh, for, you know, several decades and three or more here in the West. And it's a format that really supports, really works to help support the opening of the, of the mind. So give it the benefit of the doubt, give it a try and uh, see for yourself. Then you'll know. So I'm going to hand out a some sheets of paper. Boy, it didn't feel like 60... Is it, do you have it? Some of you have them already. Does anybody not have one? Most people don't have one. Okay. I, 
we'll see how far they go. So just take one and pass them on. You'll see that there's a an homage to the Buddha, paying homage to the Buddha. Then there's going for the refuges or taking the three refuges three times. Then there's the taking of the precepts, either five or eight. I've spoken about the five precepts. Some of you, if some of you have the habit or have the practice of taking eight precepts, uh, tomorrow mm, after first sitting after breakfast, we'll talk about the eight precepts for those of you who wish. And then there's the dedication of our efforts. Okay. Are they still going around, or have we run out, or? Hmm. They're still going around. Okay. We may run out, but if so, we will get some more by later. Tomorrow, maybe. It's really nice to see so many new and unfamiliar uh, faces and many, m- most of you I don't know. And it's also really nice to see those of you that we know and have been coming to our retreats for some time. So, great. Okay, so what we'll do is the the the, the chanting is in both Pali, the language of the Buddha, and English, the language of most of us. And we'll do this for, as I mentioned, a few days. We'll do it tonight. We'll do it each morning at the beginning of the 5.30 a.m. sitting. And uh, primar- mostly you don't need to look because you'll just follow the, uh, the sound. And after a few days, when we all know it, then we can do it in unison. It's really quite beautiful. It's a, a recommitment of our intention and efforts and a re-acknowledgement of uh, what we're doing here. I like to put my hands like this. This is not a... This is just... I'm explaining. It's not a requirement. And, and it's just a, a way of honoring uh, and kind of... both being humble and aspiring to awaken. So, please repeat after me. Namo, namo, tassa bhagavato, tassa bhagavato, arahato, arahato, samma sambodasa, samma sambodasa, namo, namo, tassa bhagavato, tassa bhagavato, arahato, Arahato Samma Sambodasa Samma Sambodasa Namo Namo Tassa Bhagavato Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Arahato Samma Sambodasa Samma Sambodasa Budang Sarananga Chami Budang Sarananga Chami Dahmang Sarananga Chami, Dahmang Sarananga Chami, Sanghang Sarananga Chami, 
Sanghang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Budang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Budang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Damang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Damang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Sanghang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Sanghang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Budang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Budang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Damang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Damang Saranga Chami Tatiampi Sanghang Sarananga Chami Tatiampi Sanghang Sarananga Chami Panati Pata Panati Pata We Ramani We Ramani Sika Badang Sika Badang Samariami Samariami Adina Dana Adina Dana We Ramani We Ramani Sika Badang Sika Badang Samariami Samariami Hapramacharya Hapramacharya We Ramani We Ramani Sika Badang Sika Badang Samariami Samariami Musawada Musawada We Ramani We Ramani Sika Badang Sika badanza mariami, mariami, sura meria, sura meria, maja pamaratana, maja pamaratana, we ramani, we ramani, sika badang, sika badanza mariami, mariami, down at the bottom of the page, idang me silang, Irang me silang magapalanyanasa magapalanyanasa pachayo pachayo tu So that places you in the noble silence in the beginning of the retreat. So maybe we should uh, take some rest and uh, so we can put in a full day of practice tomorrow. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.